we're going to have to do a Baba Black Sheep podcast at some point. You know that, right? We yeah, I think I know that. Yeah, okay. Pacific, a new kind of war, fought in the skies by a new kind of warrior, the brave men who pilot our warplanes from carrier decks and coral islands to meet the enemy above the clouds. Air power is the key to victory against the Japanese. And the key to air power? The fighter plane. Fast and deadly, a new kind of weapon for a new kind of war. Often outnumbered, our planes and the men who fly them have turned back the enemy time and okay. again. On the count of three. One, two, and three. Hello, and welcome to Bowington's Bastards. <laughs> He's Dave. I'm Steve. Yeah, I, I, am, I am Dave, and he is Steve. Yes, I'm doing well. How are you, Steve? Um, I, I, had, a, I had an eye-rolling moment the other day. Okay. Um, cause I, I love what going online and doing like, like, like the top 10 historical movies with historical <laughs> accuracy, inaccuracies in it. See, this is why we right? get along anyway. I, yes. I really, so, so I was looking at, it, it was, it was the top five world war one movies with oh. historical inaccuracies, which okay. is cool. Now, one of them was nine, the movie 1917, which I haven't seen yet. Um, and they had Sikh soldiers there, but there were no Sikh soldiers there. Because yes. by that point, I mean there were Sikh soldiers. There were yes. there were Sikhs who who, who mm-hmm. served in World War One, but they but they had been posted somewhere else by that yeah. point. So they're fighting somewhere else. But and that's um, a but, pretty good minor quibble because 1917, by the way, is a killer freaking movie, yeah, and you'll yeah, love I, it. I, have, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it. and I understand why they put the Sikh soldiers there sure. because they wanted to make the point that it wasn't just white people fighting yeah. each other. And that's um, fine. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. That's not the one that made me roll my eyes. Okay. It was the other one of the other ones where they said, you know, in Wonder Woman. They use the wrong kind of machine guns. And I'm thinking, really, is that the biggest <laughs> historical inaccuracy in, in that film? You uh, think maybe it's the superheroes in the yeah. invisible plane? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I... It's like, you know, Wonder Woman, uh, I think, kind of um, uh, trumps um, yeah. the wrong kind of machine guns. <laughs> yeah, like, like, that's hilarious. That's, that's not the biggest historical inaccuracy. It um, seems to me that you could give it out always when you have a wonder woman in something or you just exactly. say well, it's clearly like, it's not our universe it's clearly not you know real um, next yeah. yeah exactly so so that was a kind of an eye-rolling moment that was good i mean uh it, it, one of my it, favorite it, depictions of world war one uh is is the flint the final episode of the flintstones you're a madman okay. mean man with a map flintstone i love that episode yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're not talking about world war one we are not we are talking about world war two it's darker grittier sequel Yes, um, <laughs> or as some may have called it, the extension. The extension. If you're AJP uh, <laughs> Taylor, sure. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, like there's a period where they stop fighting and then they start fighting again. I also, just as an aside, I love that I can just drop an AJP Taylor, Taylor reference and you just grab yeah. it. I just yeah. makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a lovely war, he said. Um, 
I'm like, oh, yeah, mm. sure. Um, yeah. For some of you, yeah. For some of you, depending on what team you're on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and whether you were Jewish or not. Uh, that uh, also was a thing. <laughs> Saw a thing last night, uh, Storming Juno. Uh, okay. And there was, was a, uh, a, a, a a Jewish Canadian a soldier, and he had a native guy who was, was, his, was his buddy. And they took this German medic uh, prisoner, and he said, you're going to work on my man first. And the guy said, nine. And he said, listen. <laughs> and he said, and I speak German. And I said to him, oh, by the way, I'm also Jewish. But you see Chief over here? Because that's what they called the guy. Yeah. He's going to blow your head off if you say yeah. nine again. Yeah. And he looked up and he said, and I guess he was really afraid of native people. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough. We yeah. But, talk about this. But today we're talking yes. about episode three Different of season things. one mm-hmm. of Black Sheep Squadron, as it's sometimes called, or Baba Black Sheep, as it was originally called. Yes. Called Small War. Mm-hmm. And um, just, as, just as a kind of beginning, um, this is one of the first ones where we see Larry Minetti. It's true. In in because he 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 comes in as one of the one of the the pilots and this Boyle, is I think right yeah Boyle I think this is the first one we see him in yeah I think you're right um, uh, because he was played by a different character in uh, a different actor in in, in yeah. the sequel in the in the story in, in the pilot yeah 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 so um so you want to kick us off with what the newsreel says because these all be, as yeah we pointed out all these begin with they all a start- newsreel. Yeah, and it, it starts out talking about it, the newsreel is called Gladiators in the Sky. The I thought the way they did the newsreel, this was closer to something that this felt more like something that you'd see from them. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't quite as jingoistic. It was somewhat. Uh, they did mention they play up air power and how in the Pacific, the yeah. most important thing is air power. And actually, the most important thing, the Pacific was sea power. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, was, it was the Navy. <laughs> yeah, but the Navy had planes. So yeah. we can. that's fine. Um, they also said that um uh the americans were often outnumbered which was true for about the first six months of the war after once midway happened you know once midway happened the japanese higher ups were like okay that was we blew our wad here and it's over uh we're screwed (laughs) we're yep we opened the awaken the sleeping giants they talk about that i think it's pretty good um i liked it i thought it was like I said, decently done. And of course it then shows us about to bring, we see a little bit of our heroes and it fades into them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then the, the show starts. And like I said, air power is really, was really important in the Pacific and in the in Europe as well. Uh, it's just that the idea that the whole war was won on air power, the whole war was won because of combined arms. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. but, but the part of the, one of those combined arms is air power and the Japanese had the best planes maybe in the world, maybe not at the start of the war, but they never developed anything after <laughs> the Americans kept me. And then everybody else kept making all kinds of great stuff. So yeah, air power is important, but yeah, that was pretty good. What'd you think of it? You thought it was okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought you like, like you said, I think it was probably a little bit closer to the reality. Yeah. Um, uh, and th- there is one thing I think they probably didn't put in. Yeah. Um, Although it, may, it might not have been in this because they were focusing on the American ones, uh, but mm-hmm. something that we'll pick up on in a minute is like the how racist the propaganda was against the Japanese. This is the thing that's missing in that, right. and that's you know, the idea that um, you know they can't be good pilots because they're all nearsighted. I mean, yeah, and, and like people actually thought these things. We talked about that yeah. last in our last episode, yeah. and, and and in and in the original book um his memoir is boyington talks about that yeah where where when he when he's first signing up and they're, and they're trying to get him to go over to um china 
with the flying tigers, you yeah. know, one of the things was, well, you know, they're not good pilots because they can't see very well. Right. Cause they all they wear got, glasses. Cause they've all wear glasses and have slanted eyes. Um, you know, and, the, and then he's, he's talking about, he's on the, on the boat, on the ship going over yeah. and there's another pilot there who's been fighting the Japanese he, yeah. and he sits down, you know, half drunk and goes, you know, you know, that thing they, they talk about Japanese not being good pilots, you, you know, that's <laughs> bullshit, right? Because, <Yeah. laughs> because the, they are. And there's this moment where Boyington is like, oh shit. <laughs> uh, what did I just sign up for? Yeah. And it, the, and the, the, uh, newsreels were typically really yeah. racist. Really I mean, racist. people were really racist. That's yeah. we have to, I think get, this is almost a hundred years ago, everybody. It's yeah. close to a hundred yeah. years ago than 60. And, well, and, the, you know. the literary critic, Paul Fussell talks about that in his book, wartime and how okay. different the propaganda was when they were dealing with the Germans and when they were dealing with the Japanese. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Cause the German, the, I mean, the, there was obviously propaganda against the Germans, but it wasn't as deeply racist or yeah. terrible as the Japanese. Right. Um, which perhaps ironically, and we don't need to get into this mm. too much, is part of the reason why the Japanese took the steps they did is because they went to the 1919 yep. um, uh, treaty discussions that became the, the that ended the First World War, and they were mm -hmm. kind of dismissed because they were Asians or sorry, yeah, they, they, they wanted orientals to put on, as they orientals were as they would have been right. called. They, they were, they wanted yeah. to be put on the same level as the other allied victor victorious yeah. nations. And they yeah. were told, no, 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 no. You're yeah. little yellow people. Yeah. You don't and count. They, <laughs> in and, essence, and they, they were, they, and they left. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted a, a racial equality thing yeah. in the treaty that ended the war and that was denied. So yeah. The Japanese went home and decided that they couldn't trust the Americans Yeah, and yep. the West. So they kind of began to build up, you know, their own army and um, mm -hmm. it became and sort of more conservative elements, more militaristic elements managed to take over yeah. Japanese society. And uh, bingo, now mm -hmm. we're um, here we are. fighting in the Pacific. And also, I think we want to also to let people know who are listening to this. It's not like we are saying that it's really okay that Japan did all those things because no, of that. No, no, not no. I just, no. I, I know you. That's why I'm, yeah. I'm saying. I know you no. know that. I want people to understand that we aren't saying that. Oh well, Unit Seven Thirty One was fine because yeah. you know it people was. were racist to Japanese. <laughs> that's yeah. not what no. we're saying. No, exactly. It's that, a way to understand it. This all puts in perspective. That, and that, and that, yeah, exactly. And, that, and because I teach war literature a lot, this is what I, you know, and I teach like. I, I I have literally taught an essay or a speech by Joseph Goebbels, right? And right. I've and I've said always at the beginning, I said just because I understand why Goebbels says what he says, doesn't mean I agree. You're with a it. big fan, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Understanding does not equal condoning. No, right? You know, um, and while I, so you know, while we can understand why the Japanese did what they did, yeah we're not condoning what they did because what they did was terrible. Yep. So. Right. We begin with a dogfight. Always. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the T, the T6 Texan, or as you said, er, uh, a, a zero. Yeah, Cause there's no, there's no surviving zeros. <laughs> no, uh, there may be one uh, or two, but yeah, they, they didn't last long. They, they were not. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. They're always T6 Texans. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, again, this is, this becomes a, a bit of a running joke thing, um, that TJ, they're, they're in this dog fight and TJ ends up shooting Pappy down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as, as one you, does, as you ask, how is TJ still flying? Yes. My, my only guess is 
they need bodies bodies yeah i think that's all it is yeah. like they need somebody there and also the whole kind of sort of premise of the show is that boeington has created this this fighting unit mm -hmm. the, this fight the, this this fighter squadron and somebody like lard is looking for something to just take it apart right and so he he protects tj not because tj is great but because if he doesn't protect tj he may lose the 214 altogether yep right so that's that's my yeah. my only guess i like right. it i i will accept that the explanation makes complete you sense. know it, it it the the example that i always use and i might have used it uh before and you so you may already have heard this story is uh the the english poet keith douglas okay um and he's in north africa the, the, the second battle of Alamein is going on, but he's he's in the rear and he doesn't want, he wants to go out and fight. So he deserts his post yeah. to go to the front. And the tank, his commander, commanding officer says, you've deserted, but I need people. So yeah. stay anyway. Um, and so he, the, the commanding officer kind of suits, uh, sorts it out and Douglas had to go back and pay his mess bill, obviously, um, yeah. and apologize to the commanding officer. But he, like, he could have been court-martialed for what he did because he deserted yeah. his, his post at a time of war. But the commanding officer said, "I need people because people are dying, and so I'm not going to worry myself about this." And especially somebody who's highly trained as a fighter pilot, I can think exactly. of the same sort of thing happening exactly. uh, a number of times in Band of Brothers, where guys yeah. sort of snuck out of hospitals, but they're paratroopers. There's a whole yeah. extra level of training. They aren't just and again, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, yes, yeah. this makes sense. I, I like your explanation. Yeah. So you know. Um, so of course. Um, and of course, what it, what it also sets up is this kind of, and I, I kind of refer to this as a kind of redemption episode. Okay. I think we see two redemptions here. I think you're right. Um, which we'll talk about as we go through. So it it, it allows having that happen in, in terms of like, just like the storytelling allows to set that idea, that idea of, up sure. of redemption sure. for two characters. Mm-hmm. One we haven't met yet, but one we have met, yeah. um, and that that's Gutterman because Gutterman is now in charge. Yep, yeah, right. that's what happens. Exo goes um, gets a charge when the, when he when Greg bails out and he's shut down. Yep. So yep, Gutterman's yep. in it. Yeah, uh, but of course they all want to um, go over and uh, rescue Pappy. Yeah. Yeah, um, like 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 they did in the last episode. <laughs> oh no, last episode yeah. they they rescued Red Buell's kid or yeah, kid brother. brother. So yeah, yeah it's always yeah. going to. Yeah, hey, we're Marines. We're also rifle trained yeah. riflemen. We could go to this. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, this is very loosely um, yeah. based on an actual thing because uh, Pappy Bogington was actually shot down in real life. He was, uh, and yeah. ended up in a Japanese prisoner war camp. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like anybody came and got him. It wasn't like he ran into Constable Odo. Uh, no. He exactly. got shot down yeah. uh, and he was uh, over the slot somewhere and he was rescued by the Japanese and taken prisoner. And he ended up on an Island called truck for a while, which yep. will come up later. Uh, and he eventually ended up, I think near Hiroshima. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, I haven't read that yeah. book since I was 14, Steve. No. So I, I'm, I'm rereading it now, but I haven't finished it. I haven't gotten to that point yet. So. Um, but yeah. And he's uh, if people, you really should get to get a feel for what it was like. You know, you want to get a feel for what it was like in German captivity, watch Kolditz. You want to get a feel for what it was like in Japanese ca captivity, 
if you want to watch something, Bridge in the River Kwai, maybe. I think yeah. probably Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence would be better. Yeah. Um, but even better, just read this book. His descriptions of captivity are very disturbing because yeah. the Japanese weren't nice. They didn't follow the Geneva Convention. No, <laughs> so. they, they didn't see think much of prisoners of war. That's right. They thought they thought of them as cowards that should yep. have killed themselves. Yeah. Killed themselves. Yep. Um, and, and, but of course, you know, um, Boeington in real life says he, I mean, this is not true, obviously, but, um, he says that he was one of the few people who actually got better, uh, got healthier yeah. in a prisoner of war camp because he couldn't drink anymore. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, um, which, which is not true, obviously, but you know, he's highlighting the fact just how much he drank. Yeah. Right. He drank so much and it affected his health so much that going to a Japanese prisoner of war camp. You it's know, like, I got a certain spring in my step today yeah, because I'm not exactly, I don't have a hangover. I've exactly. been beaten every day for the last month and a half. Yeah. And all I'm eating are maggots. But yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Uh, especially when he talks about them scrounging for food. Uh, yeah. That's the part that to me, it still sticks out with me and some of the stuff. And I don't even want to talk about it, but yeah. it's, there's things that they scrounge for food. And it's really amazing yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that anybody lived coming out of those camps. Yeah. 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 Um, but But we also kind of see, I think, a kind of realism in the dogfight in the sense of how they kind of work together, kind yep. of like that's right. tag teams. Yes, that's right. right. Like one of them would draw zero, a zero off and so the, the wingman mm -hmm. would come behind the zero. And so they kind of, they kind of, you know, tag team because they knew their planes weren't quite as good as the zeros. That's right. They use tactics as, uh, and teamwork as a kind of way to, sh to, to shoot down the, yep. the zeros, which, you know, again, one of the things about that show like this is, is we get glimpses of realism. Yeah. Um, you know, it's entertainment as we've talked about before. before yeah. Uh, um, Stephen, and we will you know, again. Yeah. Because as Stephen J. Cannell said, I'm in the entertainment business. Yeah. He's not um, an historian. No. Uh, I mean, you just watch the three Japanese guys that drive up in what looks like a Jeep. They didn't yeah. drive Jeeps. The Japanese. No, they had no. these Toyota trucks basically yeah. is what they drove around in. And um, yeah, so that's funny. And they've, <laughs> And it's fine because I, I just, you're not going to find those Japanese vehicles anyway. No. So, no. yeah. They probably don't exist. I don't think there's probably any around, do I mean, and of course, you know, with CGI now, we could probably get away with some you of those things. You could do things, something else. But, yeah. Just, they could be in a dune buggy time, and you could just, you did, yeah. You didn't. You, you, you couldn't. Um, exactly. You know, but, but again, you know, and this is why I always say never go to these movies or TV shows no. for history. No. Right, because they're they're metaphors for, you know, as I say, in this case, perhaps it's a story for, um, it's a metaphor for our failures, right, and redemption, and you know the way you know faced with these you know terrible situations, how do we, how do we respond? And some people respond in good ways, some people respond in in bad ways. Yeah, that's right. So so the the war here is more of a way of sort of using storytelling to 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 get yes. a, a story which is again and i'll probably say this before and i uh, uh, again and i've said it before that's why you don't go to mash no and try and figure out the historical accuracy of mash because <laughs> korea was it was not about korea no right it was a it was a way of telling stories about the human condition mm -hmm. um to be slightly you know um cliched there yeah it's right but it's <laughs> you know, also it's also yeah. correct it's also that, correct that kind of yeah idea, right? it's not you wrong know, yeah yeah because that's that's what the show is about mm -hmm. it's not about korea right tim o'brien the, the vietnam war veteran writes about vietnam he says my stories are not about vietnam yeah my stories are about trauma 
and mm-hmm. about men who are faced with terrible conditions and how they respond. Yep. You know, so, you know, you know, the subject may be Vietnam, uh, the subject may be Korea, the subject may be World War Two. Yeah. But that's not what it's about. That's right. It's about us as human beings and how we kind of respond to these things. Yeah. And this, and this whole show is a classic underdog story. And this could have been, exactly. a, this could have been about a football team. It could have been or a, a debate team. It could be. Remember anything. the Gipper. Remember yeah. the Gipper. It's, it's very, it's not unlike that at all, actually. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and I, cause as I say, historians and TV writers are doing two different things. Do two different things. Um, exactly. <laughs> it's a different job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. And now we kind of, we, we, we move away from that. Cause now, now he's down. Everybody's mm-hmm. upset. The, the, yeah. the, the unit is kind of falling apart. Um, and then we get a little bit of a humanity in lard. I really liked that a right? lot. Yeah. Because the thing with lard as a character, he could become like just two dimensional. <laughs> yeah. Very much right? so. That, 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 yes. that kind of character. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and although he, you know, when, when you think of, you know, when you say name a great actor, Dana Elkar is perhaps not the first person. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to say Robert De Niro. So yeah. Or, yeah. or Smeryl Streep. I, yeah, exactly. Dana Elkar doesn't. He's popping in here. Yeah, he's great in he's this great episode. He's great in this episode. Like yeah, he's he really, really good. And this we've talked about this in the Rockford podcast. And this is at TV actors didn't get any chance to do anything up until about Twin Peaks era. Yeah. yeah. Up until about 1990. TV actors and they were hell, we're doing a whole show about the, the Rockford files. I, I love a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But they didn't they weren't allowed to show range because that's not what people were doing. Yeah, and they didn't have time. No, right? exactly. You know, it so like it, they, they got a script. Here's the shooting date. Do it. Yep. You know. No, but he's really good in this. I I, I loved watching it. I, I was very impressed. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um. And so he he finds out his secretary tells him that that Pappy has been shot down and mm-hmm. is missing in action. And there's that moment, you know, again, fa- facial acting. That moment that Elkar plays so well, where you know it affects him. Yep. Right. You know, because again. He doesn't, and he and he says this later. He has, which we'll get to. He has this moment with with General Moore, where he he really does not like Boeington. No, right? He hates the man. Yeah, but he's a member. He he's a a soldier under his command, a pilot under his command, and that affects him. Yeah, he's and you know a good commander actually is knows they're responsible for the people underneath yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and then of course he covers it up because. You know, and and I think we see this with Moore as well, um, and I think, I think Moore is doing it deliberately. Lard may not be, um, but what I mean is, they know what the role Pappy plays in his squadron, so they're kind of playing the villain. And I, we'll talk a little bit more about that mm-hmm. with, with Moore. Like, like Pappy is the guy who will, for lack of a better word, coddle coddle them, and you know. Yeah. talk to them whereas more and larger the the hard asses is like we're we're the assholes he's protecting you from and they kind of play those roles and i think yeah. more does it deliberately in the scene that we see him later oh i think you're right you where where he's like you see why you need pappy because if you don't i'm going to come here and i'm going to chew your ass out yeah right and i think i think one of the things that i like about this moment is we kind of see as dana elkar is playing him lard playing that role yep Right. Like, cause he, he knows, he knows the position that he's in, like, like, you know, the, the, the role he's playing with in the military, he knows that he can't show emotion because he has to be the hard ass. 
right? Because to do his job well, he has to be the hard ass. And so then he covers it up by saying, well, I, I guess we lost the plane as well. Right. You know, and, and it works. Yeah. Meaning, meaning lard because we see the reaction shot again. I don't know who the actress is. Uh, yeah. I forgot to look, look her name up, but she, she did really well too. She right? was, like, it was really nice. Yeah. I was, like, I was like impressed when she, when she responds to that. It's, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. He's the hard ass. Right. You, you can, you can see like what he says. I'm playing the hard ass sort of working and she kind of, you know, facial acting equivalent of rolling your eyes right like oh, you know <laughs> yeah you know, so, you know a man is down and he's worried about the plane right yeah because i because i think that's that's the moment where we kind of see that where lard has to be who he is right? that's right be- because because be effective. exactly that's who he is i mean it, yeah. yeah exactly it's it, well, well put yep yeah um so uh, uh, uh now obviously we the actress's we, name is jill jerris Okay. Uh, she was uncredited, but uh, that's what IMDb says. It was okay. her name was Jill Jarrus or Jarrus. Yep. Okay, good. Because I think I think I mean very very short role. Um, she's basically in one scene, but I think she did a really good job here. Yeah, right. and she's actually you know, been she's um, been in a lot of things. Okay, cool. Okay, good, good, good for her. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh, Pap. Now we we kind of flipped to Pappy, and he's in his parachute coming down. Um. And so obviously the the Japanese are looking for him um as you would if <laughs> you find yeah a, sure a pilot who's been shot down yep um but of course this is superhero pappy so, yes. so uh, he loses them yeah <laughs> he loses them he gets away from them so they have to double patrols right and yeah and he also he steals i, I love that he steals uh food you know while like he's he's out there he's he's doing all this stuff and he's just he's a superhero yeah i was gonna you're right i have no nothing else to say he's just a superhero yeah yeah <laughs> um but I, I like the scene where he steals the food because because the, the dog starts barking i know and right? he's like shut stop up it, stop it quiet shut but up. but the dog wants the food yeah right so it's like the dog knows that if he barks he'll get will the run food. away yeah and he will get, he'll the, get food. the food i know it's great <laughs> so so like even the dog's acting was great yeah, it was it was yeah it was really right? nice little 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 scene yep. you know you know um because uh dog the dog wants the food yep and then um and as you point out they're speaking japanese i presume correct japanese i don't know yeah and japanese i i just like that they're not it's not that we're not getting somebody speaking english in a in a, in a faux japanese accent yeah. i i really appreciate i i like watching and as much as I realize this is an entertainment and all that stuff, I want to see people who are Japanese speak Japanese. Yeah, because I want I to see Germans speak German, etc. I don't know if it, it was in your edition, your version, but in my version, when we first see them, they're not. There's not not even there's subtitles. No, no subtitles. Yeah, that's right. But you know, but you know what they mean, what they're doing exactly. Right? Because you, you know, you know what they're saying, even though yeah. you don't speak the, the language. Yeah. And then later, probably because what they're saying is a little bit more complex, you do yeah. get the subtitles because yeah. it's not. You know, it's just. Japanese guy, or at least people pretending to be Japanese. I don't know if they're actually Japanese. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I think, I think some, some of them are Chinese, some Chinese of them are Korean, Malaysian. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> at least, at least there wasn't any yellow face, but um, no, that's, that's <laughs> they were right. Mickey, actually Mickey Asian Rooney was people. nowhere in sight. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and so, so later we get the subtitles because I presume it's just we have these pe- Japanese people speaking Japanese, yeah. but it's, you can't from the context you can't tell what what they're saying so yeah that's right 
the um, names are all Japanese names of the of the people who are credited here. We've got Dale Ishimoto, Hatsuwa Uda, and Lloyd Kino, who you will have seen before. The Japanese captain. You've seen he was in Hawaii Five-0, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he was in all kinds of stuff. But yeah, and I think those are all Japanese names. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, as I point out, Odo turns Pappy into Jim Rockford. <laughs> um, and yeah. he he hits him on the back of the head because <laughs> that's a running thing in the Rockford Files. For those of you who don't listen to that podcast or know the show, you should. Um, you, should. A, you should. Um, a running a running thing throughout Rockford is that Jim Rockford always gets hit hit in the head and knocked out, <laughs> sometimes by his own father. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, that's right. That's right. Um, and of course, we don't know it yet, but. You no, know, he's knocked. He's knocked out by a by Odo. Yeah, um, Odo. Aboriginal, yeah, Rene Aboriginal. Yeah, um, playing Lieutenant Hooper, an Australian um, Navy cook. Yep, yep, yep. Um, although he's probably not lieutenant or lieutenant. Would, he he, he wouldn't have been a lieutenant. He would have been a chief. No, uh, I, 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 he says he's a lieutenant. There's a point where um, at the end where Pappy goes, so not a lieutenant then, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pappy would have known that as soon as he said he was a cook. Cooks, yeah, that's it's not an officer's position. Cooks were not on, maybe sergeants. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's he's likely a chief. My grandfather was a chief in yep, the Royal Canadian yep. Navy and fought in the Pacific. So yeah, yep, exactly. So um, so now we're back to Lakava, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's arguing. Yeah, right. Because um, as I say, and I thought this was clever, mm-hmm. the sheep have lost their shepherd. Indeed. Uh, well put. Well put, uh, sir. Well put, sir. It's almost like you know uh, you you have an English degree or two. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh-huh. Three. Did you like that? Just all those planes lined up on the on the. Yeah, on, on, isn't cool. it pretty? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though I don't know if you noticed this, sometimes planes they're all different because yeah. there's six different planes, and that's fine because yeah. there's not that many Corsairs left. No, <laughs> so of exactly. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's it's like that scene in Dunkirk where. Yeah, like the zeros, uh, the 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 Spitfires get all the publicity, but the Mosquito was just as important. Hurricane, yeah, the hurricane, right? The yeah. hurricane was just as important as the Spitfire. But yeah. there's that moment in the movie where the you see those Spitfires just it's got to be blank spits. sky, and it then the Spitfire spits. Spitfires oh, yeah. come in into the shot. It's like, oh man, and what a name for an aircraft, Spitfire. Yeah. 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 Yeah, pretty great. But yeah, it's just it's beautiful just seeing them lined up there. I I, I just as I wrote in our document, damn it, Steve, these planes are so fucking pretty. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course everybody's arguing um, because again, Happy plays an important role with within the squadron um, as he should, right? As sure. as the commander, he 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 should, you know. And one of the things you know um, that I like about this is is Gutterman because. You know, you say Gutterman is a realist, and that's true. Yes. But, you know, I think here is where we see Gutterman and what we would today probably call his PTSD. Definitely. Really, really come. You know, he's he, he doesn't want to be in this position. He's forced into this position. Yeah. Um, he feels like he's not able to be in this position. Yeah. Um, you know, and so he kind of. He, he, he kind of, um, doesn't do anything, yeah. right. You know, um, and I always link him, I always link him to, uh, is it Achilles? Not Achilles. Um, one of the heroes in, um, the Iliad who yep. just, you know, he's unhappy. So he spends all his time in the, in the tent. 
right? This great hero. And all he do, does is spend his time in the tent because he's depressed. Yeah. You know, and, and he's, he's kind of like this gutter, gutterman kind of yeah. like this. Yeah. That's right. Know? And of course it's realistic too, because a, he's got to, he's got to step up. He's got to, he's got to be, you know, yeah. as we see, and this is why we see, you know, the, 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 the pilots start fighting each other and all that kind of stuff. They need that kind of guy to, to, to corral them. To, they need to adult supervision. Together. These guys, exactly. that's what they need. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and Gutterman isn't sure he can do it and maybe doesn't want to do it just yeah. simply because of his, well, because of his PTSD and, and, yeah. you know, um, he doesn't want responsibility like that. Uh, he, Gutterman has seen shit that these other guys haven't seen. We don't know yeah. what that shit is, but he's seen shit that yeah. they haven't seen. Yeah. 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 And of course it's also realistic because yeah. They wouldn't have recognized it. No, that's right. Right. Like we're far more aware, uh, like even with shell shock, they knew there was things like shell shock and, and stuff yeah. like that, but they still weren't quite aware of the, the whole PTSD thing. And in looking back on it from a, from our perspective, cause we're far more yeah. aware of those kinds of things, right. You know, the, the kind of the post Vietnam kind of thing where yeah. Vietnam is really the one where we, we, people really begin to see this. Um, you know, and a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book now, which title, uh, I can't remember. Um, but it's, it's one, one of the guys, um, who is in the longest day. Okay. Right. It's one of the characters, one of the American, um, soldiers in the longest day is based on a real guy. Okay. Um, and there's a, uh, a scene of him and Richard Burton, who's playing a British officer, sort of hanging out, share, sharing a smoke. Um, and his daughter wrote a book about him and the PTSD that he suffered and okay. the dreams and the violence, right? Like, you know, he, he, you know, his, his anger, he had anger issues and stuff like that, you know, and he was, he was unique in the fact that he kind of tried to deal with it, right? He kind of realized hmm. there was something wrong with him. Whereas a lot of World War II soldiers, um, were taught Right again, it's a it's a so, social yeah. social thing. That's right. Not to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, there's no. uh, one of my one a thing I, I just last night watched the uh, the the Bastone episode of uh, Band of Brothers, and right. um, one of the when they interviewed the guys at the beginning, you know, that Band of Brothers goes, um, and I forget which guy it is, but he's he said whenever my wife says it's cold out, I always say the same thing: it's not as cold as Bastone. Yeah, and I again watched that uh, Stormy Juno show last night about the Juno Beach and the right. D-Day invasion, and one guy said, he said, uh, this is probably me about 15 years ago. Anyway, he said, uh, he said, I, I don't, hadn't thought about it much until recently. Uh, he said, but the only, I don't think about it on purpose, but I see people whenever I close my eyes. Yeah. Like yeah. whenever I close my eyes yeah. and he said, I get up every night and walk around our house every single night. Yeah. And he said, you know, yeah. and then he laughed about, oh, my wife doesn't know. Like he was yeah. again, just brushing it off, yeah. but that's pretty serious psychological problem. Yeah. Cause you my, know? my wife, Karen talks about her grandfather who was with the Canadian Navy and he, he ferried some of the people, he was at D-Day, but he was like ferrying people, okay. soldiers on, onto the beach. Yeah. Uh, and she said, he never talked about the war except when he was drunk Yeah. and then all he did was cry. Yeah. Right. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And, and I was listening to a podcast, which interviews, um, veterans. It's, it's an American podcast, but so it interviews it's heavily American, sure. um, uh, veterans, but they, they went with a guy, uh, back to, um, 
I think it was Utah Beach. Okay. Uh, he hadn't been back. He hadn't been back since the war. And the first thing he said when he was looking around, he said, "Wow, it looks a lot different with all without all the dead bodies." <laughs> Shit. Right. You know. Wow. And 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 like like the hosts are like like our age, and they were just like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Because it kind of hit them just how people like Gutterman, yeah, had these kinds of issues, yeah, but weren't allowed, yeah, to express them, yeah. Especially now to get back to to the episode, especially yeah. now when Gutterman has to lead them, yeah, right. Like this is not just him sitting at home with his wife, you know, not refusing to talk about it. He yeah. has to become the leader now. Yeah. You know, and he's he he he's dealing with these issues, you know, and and I, I I highlight this because if you watch the episode, you know, and I think what this is what the episode does is is you don't see him as being a coward. You could define him that way, but I think that that would be you know wrong because I don't think he is being cowardly. You no. know, he's you know, and he says, "Well, I'm not Greg," you know, and the pilots themselves say, "We don't need you to be Greg." We need you to be you, but we need somebody. We need somebody. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and so I, th I think, you know, I think we get a lot of good acting here um, from all of the pilots. Right. Yeah. You know, all, all the actors. I think so, too. What's here. Uh, but 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 um, uh, but especially from, you know, obviously from Gutterman from. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, because again, it, you know, and again, this is the advantage of being an entertainment show right and this is why this is why i say don't view it as as history you know view it as a way for panel and the writers and the directors and the actors to talk yeah. about ptsd i think you're right right to talk about these these kinds of things yeah right? yeah so is it history historically true probably not but that's not what they're doing well there was no marine captain named jim gutterman so yeah exactly but this happened this stuff yeah. really did go down exactly. so uh, yeah exactly. I, I, that's very realistic here yeah yeah so now we're back at odo's island <laughs> yeah um and this is where we actually see um clayton endicott the third oh. also using benson Mm -hmm. Clayton and Claude the third. That's right. I forgot Benson, that was the, that was Benson the name of the character. Bowl, Benson, right? Yep. You know, because yep. yep. when I when I first saw him on Deep Space Nine, that's uh, that's what I thought. It's like, hey, it's the guy from Benson. Guy from Benson. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's playing with what he, how he refers to himself yeah. as Lieutenant Hooper. Yeah. Um, an Australian, and he's with it with a perhaps the one of the worst Australian accents that just comes yeah, and goes. I know. It's like, I know. It's, which, you know, which is why, why Pavi goes, New Zealander? He goes, Aussie. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's... It's weird. It's funny. Australia, I think Australia, there were more Australians in Europe fighting than there were in, I think so, yeah. in, 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 because they, you know, the, the European war started two years earlier. And unlike the States, Australia came to the aid of Poland, kind of like Canada yeah. did anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so most of them were over there so yeah it's uh, it's exactly. an interesting thing though there were australians fighting in new guinea there were australian naval yep. units so it's not like it's ridiculous it just... yeah be, be, because you know the japanese were you know were, were close to australia they bombed right? australia they, they bombed, bombed darwin. australia yeah. right darwin yeah, yeah, was like lost, level yeah. yeah it's it's like so you know and we are we often don't think of that because we often think of the pacific war as a kind of japanese american thing yeah. Um, you know, and there were Canadians there, but a lot of them were in Singapore, so they were taken prisoner and stuff yep. like that. Um, so so we often think of it as like the Japanese Navy versus the American Navy. But you know, the Australians had, you know, um a lot to lose. Um yeah. because they could have they they could have they could have been occupied yeah. by the Japanese. That's right. Um and so now we get the reference to truck. 
Yeah, they lost a lost a uh, cruiser lost on a cruiser near truck. Yeah, truck was like well, it's called Chuck now because it's probably closer to the native pronunciation. Uh, it's in the Caroline Islands, and it was the Japanese Pearl Harbor. It was it was the yeah. basically the forward base for the Japanese Navy uh, in World War II. And in fact, as I mentioned before, Greg uh, Boeington was actually brought to Truck uh, on his way to Japan, uh, and during this thing called Operation Hailstone which was the American attack on truck, uh, which was very successful. Um, it made it useless as a Japanese base. Uh, there's actually newsreel footage, and this is this newsreel that I'll play at the end. There is newsreel footage of, um, it's gun camera footage of somebody just shooting at a, a, a machine gun emplacement, like an anti-aircraft emplacement, and Greg's in there. Yeah. He's lying in there because, you know, it was during an air raid and he knew what to do. So he got down and he, of course, he wasn't going to take the gun and start shooting yeah. <laughs> at the Allied planes. So... Uh, yeah, so yeah, Operation Hailstone was a. I mean, the Japanese lost four thousand men. The Americans lost forty. Uh, it was a very yeah. successful attack, um, and uh, really important. Uh, truck was a really important. And after Operation Hailstone, truck became was basically taken out of the war. So that's yeah. kind of an important yeah. thing. This wouldn't have been that. Yeah. The point here is that if you get near truck, it's kind of like getting near Pearl Harbor. It's yeah. it's like, you know, you're 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 in trouble. Yeah, because because if you're looking like like for lack of a better term, the flow of the war, yeah, right. At early war, it's all Japanese, Japanese yeah. pushing forward. Midway kind of stops them. Yep. And then truck is the Americans starting to push back. That's right. Right. You know, and so that so so midway is is perhaps of the two more important because it oh, stops for sure. the Japanese and advance. it sinks it sinks three exactly. or four Japanese aircraft four, carriers. Yeah, yeah. four yeah. four aircraft carriers, yeah. um, and no American. Yes, that's right. Which is important Um, because that was the target (laughs) of Pearl Harbor, which they didn't get. Um, And so truck is when the Americans start pushing back. So it's kind of when the war kind of shifts to give the Americans kind of the advantage. Yeah, um, it was it was basically the Americans showing that they if they felt like it, they could just go blow up the Japanese Navy. Exactly. Which is what they did. Uh, Yeah. So uh, which eventually leads to things like naming battles the great marianas turkey shoot because yeah. <laughs> it just gets sort of easier in a way yeah. yep yeah, <sighs> yeah so um, operation hailstone um, was important yeah so and so now we get odo um talking yeah. about how he doesn't he doesn't he, you know because boeington wants to escape of he course. wants to get away you know understandably he's where, got a tv show yeah he's got a tv show to get get back to um where whereas hooper um doesn't want to he he's kind of quite happy to kind of just stay out of the war for a bit i'll be here for the duration yep no um because this is this is the other redemption story yeah right because i because i would argue that this this shows two 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 redemption stories gutterman's and hooper's Mm -hmm. um and hooper talks about the fact that his his father um was a captain um and he died and as you right. say, presumably in World War One. I. I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he does. He wants to stay, right? You know, and um, as I said, you know, he 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 mentions that his, his father was an infantry officer. So World War One is most gotta likely because yeah, because you know, his father would be fifty at least, right? Yeah. He wouldn't have yeah. been a frontline soldier <laughs> in yeah. World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now we get back to Espritos mm-hmm. and we get to the scene that I, I kind of referred to before yep. the kind of confrontation, uh, between Lard and Moore, mm-hmm. um, Lard goes to see Moore because he wants to tell him about Boeington. 
Yeah, uh, and and that nobody was asked that they were supposed to that the black sheep were supposed to escort a, a a bomber crew on a on a raid, and they just didn't show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that, that apparently suffered no losses. That wouldn't happen. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's fine. But, it's for the TV show. But but as I point out, they they don't want to put the pilots in the position where they're responsible. They're, they for blame American for it, exactly, exactly. Right? It, it, so, it would be bad for people like today. You would do that. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't yeah. be a problem, but yeah, not not then. Yeah. And as I said in our document, it's like that episode of the Rockford Files where Rocky can't shoot the goons, the hired goons. That's exactly right. Um, with a shotgun, because that would change the way we saw Because we can't Rocky ever look at Rocky and go, oh, that's the guy that shot the guy walking into Jim's trailer. Yeah, yeah as opposed to, oh, that's the sweet old man. Yeah. Um, you know, who I'd like to have as my grandfather kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if 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 american pilots died as a result of their actions that would yeah. change change everything everything yeah. and, and of course even within the show it would change everything mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. because more would have to do something that's right right you know we're here it's like we got lucky so you know um so it fo- it keeps its focus on the fact that they're they're struggling yeah. without happy and it doesn't move it to it doesn't shift the the kind yeah. of focus to yeah something that's else. right good um, point you know um, but uh, it's, it also begins a, a moment where uh, a kind of a, a, a funny moment uh, when Lard, when the secretary tells Moore that Lard's there, he says, tell him I'm not here. <laughs> right. Like nobody wants to talk to Lard. Like, no, that's how unpopular Lard is. Nobody wants to talk to him. <laughs> I think we've all um, worked with someone like that, that. Exactly. Everybody's like, oh God, he's coming. I'm going the other way. Like, like, like even general Moore, who is his commanding officer, doesn't want to talk. Like yeah. he's got rank. He can pull rank on Lard, but even he doesn't want to talk. to yeah, him. He could actually right? say, tell him, he could actually say, tell him to go away. And yeah. Lard w- would have to go away. But it's like, yeah. I don't even want to have that level of interaction with him. Tell him I'm just not here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and again, this is, you know, as you mentioned, Elkar is good here. He's very good. Um, I, I, I was very impressed. Because he, he, you know, more kind of accuses him of not caring about Boeington being missing in action. And he says what we, you know, we referred to the earlier where he says he, he, he's, he's a pilot under my command that affects me personally. Yeah. And that's, I I believed it too. I I, I didn't think that was bullshit. I totally Um, believed that. Cause at this moment, Lard is right. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. He's right. Because Lard says, yes, it affects me. But we still have bombers flying who need cover. Yeah, this right? isn't. So he, there's more than one guy in World War Two. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, as I said earlier in yeah, our document, that's right. The war doesn't stop because one guy is missing. Uh, right? It's too bad it didn't. But yeah, and, and Lard Lard is absolutely right here. Right, you know, he he's a pragmatist. It's like yes, we're all mourning the loss of Boeington, but he's not important. The bombers are important because they could will they help us to win the war, uh-huh. right? You uh-huh. know, a pilot a, a pilot is missing, and we can we can mourn for that, and we can we can be upset, as he says, but you know we still have we still have to keep the war going, right? Yeah, you know, um, and yep. so like and like you say, Elkar is is good, here, and, you know, Very that's good. why I said I think I think he you know he, he because obviously we don't necessarily think of these kind of character actors tv character actors we don't often give them the credit to no the, they they don't get they don't get the chance usually yeah. yeah yeah um and now we're back as you say on the mystery island although we do <laughs> find out the name eventually yeah later on we find out it's named saint jacques i think yep yeah yeah, yeah. saint jacques island oh, yep yep saint jacques island um 
uh, I guess it's French Canadian. I don't know. Yeah, the real um, <laughs> the real Saint Jacques Island is actually part of the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, and is in the yeah. Atlantic Ocean. But anyway, yeah, exactly. That's okay. That's uh, fine. Um, it, and and it would probably be Dutch anyway because it was the Dutch that were there more more and that, than and that. Yeah, than probably that. We're, we're, we're tr- up, up near truck and all that. That's more Dutch yeah. than than. That's true. That's true. Yep. 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 Um. So, um, uh, Hooper is hanging by the fire, smoking, um, you know, and now we get the idea that he, he's been scrounging things. Cause if he's got tobacco, he's he's got tobacco Yeah, and and he's been on the island for three months. So you would think that he probably doesn't have a three month supply of tobacco. (laughs) Right. Um, especially since he, he was, you know, as he points out, yeah, right. He gets on, on, he, he's only, he's only, um, alive because he manages to get on a table that he yeah. floats like a like a raft so even if he did have three months worth of tobacco on the ship he doesn't have a chance to go back and get it no <laughs> so he may have a pack of cigarettes on him at the time yeah. and that's probably about it yeah exactly um, so and then you know i'm not a smoker but i know that that wouldn't last that wouldn't last <laughs> i can tell you that that wouldn't last uh yeah uh, so, some of the smokers in my life that wouldn't last a day but uh, <laughs> yeah um, but certainly, certainly not three months. So yeah. you're right. He's probably scrounged the tobacco from the, and Japanese. he's got food and stuff. And at least yeah. it looks like he's got a couple of sort of forks and tools and stuff. So yeah, he's, he's so, scrounging things yeah, from them yeah. and he wants Greg to stay. He's like, you know, yeah. sit out the war with me. It's going to be great. We'll hang out here. Well, it's like we're camping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, although we have to hide from the Japanese yeah. or they'll yeah. shoot us. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's um, camping with, with high, st- it's high stakes camping. Yeah, and and now we get a kind of weird reference here, or at least I think it's weird. Okay, um, you too. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, because because he says, uh, Greg says to him, "You're sitting out here like Lord Nelson in India." Yeah, that doesn't make that it. I can make it make sense, but I have to do, jump through a lot of hoops to make it yeah, make sense. Because Nelson was in India during the first Anglo-Maratha War from 1775 okay. to 1782. Right. And he did spend most of it like on escort duty. Right. Right. So he wasn't like he, he was commanding a ship, but it wasn't like he, he wasn't in combat or anything like that. Then he then he gets malaria and goes goes back to London. Right. But I'm not quite sure how that works as a, I, uh, as maybe, a reference. My my guess here is that Happy has heard of Admiral Nelson. And he knows this guy's in a Commonwealth Navy. Yeah. So, and he knows that the British were colonial masters in India. Yeah. So he's sitting around like he's living the life of Riley. Yeah. In India. Uh, sorry, in, in on, on St. Jacques Island, the way that Lord Nelson hung out. Like a, where, where a high level British diplomat or sorry, bureaucrat would hang out in India. And the only yeah. one he could remember was Lord Nelson. Yeah. That's the only thing I've Possibly. got. <laughs> but notice how long I had to go to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Especially since Nelson becomes the hero in the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, I know. That's the at, thing. At, it's at, like. Uh, Trafalgar, right? Like, yeah. Like there's, there's a reason why in London, there's a yeah. statue, a yeah. huge statue of him. Yeah, it's kind of an right? important thing that he did. Yeah, and that's and that's why that's why I find it strange. It's an old choice. The other the other thing that I can um, 
I can kind of suggest okay. is that it reflects what happens to Hooper's character. Okay. Right. You know, that yes. kind of reference. I, right? okay. Where he's kind of hiding out doing nothing. And then at the end, spoiler, uh, yeah. he helps, he helps, he helps Greg. So maybe right. this is like, um, maybe the, the writer was, the writers were doing this. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's possible. But, 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 it, it, but it's also weird because Nelson was doing what he was ordered to do. Right, like it's it's not like Nelson was choosing choosing no. to to be es- on escort duty, <laughs> right? He was yeah. ordered to be on escort that's duty, right? Yeah. Right, you know. So that's why I find it a little, like like I can see why they would make a kind of reference like this. Yeah, yeah. but I but I don't think it fits. And I think they'd go Lord Nelson rather than Lord Mountbatten, who was actually yeah. the head of what Southeast Asia Command, and I believe at the time was the Viceroy of India. Yeah. Um. Because maybe American audiences wouldn't know who Lord Mountbatten was. They wouldn't know who Mountbatten was now. Yeah, because he hadn't been yet killed by the IRA, so he wasn't in the news. Yeah. yeah, So or uh, or sending Canadian troops um, to the yeah. Or for those of you who don't know, that didn't go well. (laughs) Yeah, it was not a yeah. I mean, the lessons were important, and uh, yes, Yes, but yes, it was not a good yes. It was not Louis Mountbatten was not the most popular person in no the world really. But yeah, I mean fine i get why they did it on the surface i laughed at it I went, huh? and then yeah. wait a second this doesn't make any yeah. goddamn sense like i say like i i have no problem with like making that kind of reference i just don't think nelson fit no i i don't think it's the right reference right. i think i'm not right. sure yeah. i'm not like thinking about it i don't know who it would be but yep. um you know yeah but i don't know maybe I, we're probably being too, too nitpicky oh yeah because... we, oh, oh you think because most people wouldn't know who Nelson was. They would have heard of Nelson, but they wouldn't. And I think you know, that's what Americans we're going. anyway. The I British that, would know, right? If this British were a British would, show, it would be course. different. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know. Yeah. It's just like maybe a Brit would have said, you're like uh, General Patton sitting in Italy. And you go, yeah. okay, I get it. You're like, what? Yeah. Actually, that makes yeah. no sense, but okay. No sense. Yeah. 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 Kind of like that. Uh, and this is when we find out that he's a cook. Yep. Um, and Therefore, based on my grandfather who fought in yep. the Pacific and was a Royal Canadian Navy cook and also smoked a lot. Yep. Uh, yep. If, if there was ever a, a sort of like an Olympic event of smoking, um, both Canada and his native Switzerland would, would have fought over his rights. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so therefore, and this is where we find out that he wasn't a lieutenant. He wasn't an officer because... No. So no officers were not cooks. <laughs> no, no, that's an enlisted or a non, they don't call it enlisted in our Commonwealth. Yeah. We would call them other ranks. Other so, ranks. Yeah, that's other or, ranks. Or an NCO, non-commissioned officer. Yeah, they are NCOs. Yep. Yep. Um, so Greg sneaks into the camp because he he he's found a, sh- a plane. Yeah. Um, so he's he decides that he, that, that he can still fly it. Yeah. Because right? he, he know, yeah, because he, he can fly any plane training yep. or not. And it's still uh, got a, it's, it still has gasoline in it, which is good. It's uh, got a drop tank on it. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it? Have anyway, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, because you need something with gasoline in it. Because you had a prop. <laughs> um, I love the Japanese are watching a movie and they're watching an American movie that. Yeah. They're watching again, a Western. That almost certainly wouldn't have happened uh japan was very anti-western at the time yeah. who yeah. who would have guessed that i mean they even stopped playing baseball yeah which was is like it's it's japan's national game baseball yeah. uh they stopped it's like no that's western man we're gonna play not baseball something else yeah. so yeah yeah 
Um, so he decides uh, that he can fix the plane, but he, he does need some parts, right? You know, um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, uh, it's like because uh, if it were flyable as it is, it would have been on the be using it, and it would have been out on the field. Yeah, because because as he says, probably what happens is it got shot up, and then they just pushed it off to the side, yeah. um, and then forgot about it. That's right. Unlikely, but you know, okay. It's for it's, our story. It's, it's, it's for our story. It's Stephen so, J. Cannell presents World War II. It's not World War II. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is fine. Which is it's fine. fine. This, right. this is not a criticism in any way. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, um, so, um, I mean, there, there uh, as you say, there, there's good tension here. I um, it, yeah. yeah. And um, because is he going to get caught? Is he not <laughs> going to get caught? That, that kind of thing. Um, and so he decides, um, that, um, he's going to steal some stuff. He yep. gets back to Odo, <laughs> who is not happy with this. No. Um, and as he says, if this war is as screwed up on their side as it is on ours, they won't even know that we were here. We're there. <laughs> I love right? that. Which is probably true. It's probably true. And I bet a lot of people who were fighting men would said things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, because you know, and this this is a, a kind of trope that we often see in a lot of movies, not, and not just World War II movies, but you know, it even happens in like Star Trek, right? Yeah. You know, uh, with Geordie LaForge um, is one episode that I'm thinking of where where there 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 are theorists back in the back lines, and then there's then there's the guys who have to fight on the front lines, and we do this differently on the front lines because we have to do things and change things, which is probably true. Yeah. Um, you know. And so, you know, it's that kind of thing that, you know, it's probably disorganized on that because they're dealing with ever-changing situations. They're trying to trying to adapt and things like that, you know. And uh, so it's probably true that the Japanese weren't as organized yeah. um, as we perhaps think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, wars are, you know, what is the old saying? Every, uh, plans last up until the first contact with the enemy. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, which, which again, I think there's a, there's a kind of realism to the, to the show. Yeah. Doing that, well, I, I think, think that's what he said. There's totally reasonable and it wouldn't, and, and, and not, it wouldn't be surprising at all. Yep. And everybody I've talked to, even to this day in any, in, in any military will, will tell you those things that it's all, there's a lot of things that are confusing and make no sense and you just do them and yeah. people get, things get lost. And yeah, so this wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, so now we, now we, we, we have to get back to the pilots. So yeah. more flies into La Cava. Um, and as you said, uh, you love angry Simon Oakland. It's, it's good. It's, you know, when he, be played, be he, uh, General Moore or be he, uh, Vern St. Cloud. I, I do like angry Simon Oakland. He plays, I think he's made, he made a career of being angry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, um, I think this is where I get back to the idea that that Moore is playing this up, right? Like he's probably far more sympathetic to them than he pretends to be. Oh yeah, and he also really likes these kids. So yeah. I'm like but he, these guys. So yeah, but he has to, again, like Lard. Yeah, he has to play his role. Yes, that's right. right. And so he 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 chews them out, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, and he's he was supposed to be. They were supposed to be escorting bombers. Um, was it P Pella Pelu, two? It says, Pelu, yeah, that's what he said. But I think, I mean, it's quite possible they're talking about Pelalu, which is a yeah, uh, it was a real waste, yeah, uh, more than anything, yeah, because yeah. I don't, I can't find it on our island named Pella two. 
no, probably, probably. So it's probably, it's probably pillow. Probably made up. Yeah. You know, um, and so, you know, he tells them they let Pappy down, they let him down. Cause again, he, he's saying, you know, there's a lot of people who, who stick their necks out for you. Yeah. And now you're betraying that trust that they, we put in you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you that's know? Right. And, and again, I, th- I think, you know, he, he's kind of wrecked. He's showing them that, you know, how, like, like the, the reality of their situation, right? Like Pappy protects them. That's right. If Pappy didn't protect them, they would be getting people like more down and lard down on them all the time. Yep. Right. Because even even Gutterman says that earlier in the episode where he says, you know, lard's going to chew us up without Pappy here. Yep. You know, um, and so that's that's kind of what he's, he's being like. More is deliberately being the hard ass here. Yeah. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Right. To, like you know, it's 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 kind of the equivalent of uh, Pappy getting them into a fight. Yes, right? that's a, know, yeah, that's it's, right. It's that kind of thing where he, yeah. you know, he's, he's deliberately being aggressive, you know, toxic masculinity, all that kind of stuff. Yes, but like Lard, he has to do it because they have to fly the missions to protect the bombers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's so kind of a thing. It, yeah, right. You know, it's, it's um, very important. Yes, it's not just where he has to go in and say, "Look, buck up." It's like if I don't get the, kick them into shape. A lot of bombers are going to be shot down and we might people, lose the war. People die. Yeah, yes. Exactly. And wars get lost because yeah, of stupid exactly. decisions like this. That's right. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, and so now um, we turn out, we, we, we go back to the island, which, which now we find out it, the name of the island, St. Jacques Island. St. Jacques, yep. Um, you know, so we're, we're off the coast of Labrador. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's and again, hilarious. Yeah. Um, Odo doesn't want to leave. Greg no. does. So we get into a fight. Yeah. Um, cause that's, that's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> I, I hesitate to call it a fight cause you know, Odo doesn't do a, lo- a very good job. Of fighting. No, no. And if, what does Greg say? You're fighting the wrong war and you've got a glass jaw, uh, yeah. which is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, it could, of course be being, uh, being a cook. Well, yeah, not a lot, a lot of opportunity to, uh, well, they, they would have rudimentary training yeah. uh, as far as yeah. combat stuff, but especially yeah. a Navy cook, it's like they'd be... Sh- they wouldn't have hand-to-hand combat training. No. <laughs> no. Right, you know. No, but, I, I have I have the, the training stuff from my grandfather when he yeah. joined the Navy because he, yeah. he was a line cook at a restaurant, so they, yeah. they used him. And I mean, it was all just tests about, can you do this cooking thing so we don't have yeah. to train you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know. I mean, even Greg probably wouldn't have hand-to-hand training combat, but he's just a well. Greg's a, a marine, street, street but, but but he's a marine, yeah, I, I and they're they're, they're all would, yeah. they're all trained as riflemen. So I, he probably yeah, did have true. some, yeah, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I I really liked in this. What I liked about this this whole scene um, is is when you know Aubergine breaks down sort of, and he says, you know, I've been called a coward before, yeah, and he, his performance. Uh, is really good here. I, I thought I, I believed it. Uh, as I note in our document, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's a better actor than Robert Conrad. Uh, <laughs> not that Conrad's bad. He's perfect for this role. It's it's yeah. a show made for him. But, yeah. you know, in a scene like this where you're playing emotion and playing off each other, he, he's just yeah. a better actor. And yeah. you can really see it here. He almost acts so well that you're reminded that's not Pappy Bowington, but that's Robert Conrad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Conrad is an actor who knows... His oh, he knows. Oh, yeah. And he and, plays to those strengths. And that's what everybody right. should do in their life. Exactly. You should play to your strengths. So exactly. I, I, it's not a criticism in any way. No. It's no. just that I was very impressed with Aubergine's acting here. Yeah. Uh, and it was just good. Uh, I really enjoyed 
watching this scene quite a bit. Yeah, and, and one of the things I like about this show, which we might not get today, or people will complain about it, is we don't get the backstory. Yeah. He just says, "Yeah, I've been called a coward before. We don't know why. We don't yeah. know when. Yeah. But all we know is, and this this is great because, you know, this is kind of reality, right? When, when we meet people, we, we all come with our baggage, right? Uh-huh. You know, to, to use a, a more modern term, uh-huh. contemporary term. We, we all come with our baggage. We, we never know those things, right? You know, and, and it's all, we see this with the, all these online memes now is like, you know, be be kind to people because you don't know what they've been, what they've been through. And, and we, we don't know what he's been through. No. Right. But we, we see the effects of what he's been through because ultimately I think that's what's important. What happened is not important. No. It's the effects that are important, mm-hmm. you know? And so we see him here doing what he's doing, yep. not because he's reacting to this situation, but he's reacting to a past situation. Yeah. No, it's same exactly with, what's happening. Same with Gutterman, right? Yeah, and that's, that's why right. I say it, it, it's like the redemption stories for both of them. Yep. Right? Because if you look at the story arc for the two characters, they're basically the same story arc. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. something happens, they're thrust into a situation that they can't deal with. So they kind of hide out. Yep. Um, and as we'll see, because this is, you know, uh, Stephen J. Canal presents World War II. They will yeah. both, they will, they will both then They will both triumph at the end. Of course exactly, they will. Exactly. Because, because they otherwise, will. otherwise it's not, they're not redemption stories. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that, yeah you know, yes. um, you know and, and then of course, that's when we get when, when, Pappy goes to um uh, to get the 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 stuff um he's seen yeah right the Japanese see him and they're about to capture him but suddenly there's this gunfire mm-hmm. now we oh, know laying who, down cover fire yeah, yeah we who know else who could it that be is it's going to be Hooper mm-hmm. um you know so this is a redemption story right this is where he he's redeemed mm-hmm. you know um and but of course unfortunately he's captured yeah uh, because. Boeington has to be the hero, not Hooper. Um, so, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like Captain Kirk, like, like in, in uh, yeah. City on the Edge of Forever, the debate between Harold Nelson and Gene Roddenberry, right? It's yeah. it, in Roddenberry, Roddenberry's version. It's Kirk who stops McCoy from saving, save, saving Edith Keeler, right? In um, the original story, I think it's Spock who stops Kirk from doing it. Um. Okay. Right. Where, you know, whereas, you know, and Ellison was just like this guy who just forgets everything for the woman he loves. Whereas Roddenberry, and I'm kind of on Roddenberry's side here. As much as I'm a huge Harlan Ellison fan, I'm kind of on Roddenberry's yeah, side. Yeah, I am here too. Because, it's interesting. Because Roddenberry says, if you don't, if Kirk, if Kirk doesn't stop them, then you, then he loses all credibility as the hero. Yeah. Right. And no, that's fair. so the next, the next episode, you know, you don't, you see the character in a different way. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's you know, fair. And, I, and I think, you know, with, with, with Boeington here, I think it's, it's, it's the same thing that he has to be the hero. Yeah. Um, as much as we see all this other stuff, Boeington has to be the hero because he is the main character and we have to see him in a certain way. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, so uh, Hooper gets captured. Yep. That's um, right. You know, and then later on now, Again, a little bit of reality, very sanitized, perhaps. Um, but we hear Hooper getting be- being beaten by the Japanese. Yeah, as um, he sings "Waltzing Matilda." Yep. Yeah. So, 
I can say that I bet if he did that, they would have just killed him. Probably. (laughs) Because they weren't um they weren't entirely nice, I guess would be the best way to put it. Uh yeah, yeah. yeah, This it's really sanitized, and I don't want to talk about things Japanese soldiers did. Yeah, no, because go look it up, folks. Terrible. Yeah. Not nice. Yeah. Um so you know, just to just to lighten the mood, um, we go back to <laughs> Gutterman, yes. who is suffering from, from PTSD. And he, it's almost like he's depressed, except for the, the confrontational aspect of it. But yeah. it's like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. He, I'm amazed that James Whitmore Jr. didn't do more acting. He really switched over to directing, which I guess he probably liked better. So that's fine. Yeah. I, I'm not you know questioning the guy like that, but he really was a good actor. You could yeah. see this kind of thing. And this is really a good performance. Like it's yeah. strong as hell. Yeah. He, yeah. I think he's probably the best actor in the, in the series. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Regulars. Yeah, and yeah, regulars. really, really great here. Um, yeah. yeah. And he's got real look when they, when they leave, you know, um, from talking to him and the, the look of pain on his face as it's just him. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Long, it, you know, the loneliness of command. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and, and like, and it's also interesting that all the other pilots know what needs to be done, but they can't do it. That's right. Right. Cause it, he has to do it. They've only got one little bar in their collar and he has two. Exactly. You know, yep. and there's no way under, you know, military command that they it, could step it, up it can't. and do it. Yeah. It's just right? like, they just, just not allowed. To. It's literally illegal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, um, as from kind of a, a personal thing, yeah. you know, when I was vice president of our union, um, our president suddenly quit, resigned. Ooh. And under our bylaws, it was the treasurer who takes over. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the treasurer had been only on the executive for a month. Oh, geez. And he didn't like, he didn't feel like he was qual. Now, I was the longest serving vice president. So I was the logical one. But I couldn't officially act as a president, right? Because by under our bylaws, I wasn't able to because I was a vice president. Gotcha. Um, and we had a number of vice presidents. That's 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 why it's like it's it's not like the Americans where they only have one vice president. We had sure. a n- number of vice presidents, so you know you couldn't just make the vice president. So I told him what to do, but he officially did it. And it's it's that kind of thing where you know he has to do it. Right. They, they can't they can't step up and do it, even though they know what they want. They know what they have to do. And and I'm sure they would all be at least the first lieutenants would all be perfectly capable of doing it, too. You know, um, they just have to sign orders, get on the radio. What do we do? Things like that. But yeah, you, you can't know, and, just take over. And that's why TJ, when TJ comes in, he asks yeah. for a transfer to a desk job at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. He says, you're the CEO. You have to sign the orders. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um. You know, he, you know, he has to do it right. You know, as much as the other pilots know what needs to be done. And as you said, probably could do what needs to be done. Yeah, sure. They can't do it. They can't. No. Right. They're overstepping their bounds and overstepping, you know, their, their um, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And of course he just says, we'll, we'll talk about it in the morning, TJ, you know, <laughs> yeah. and again, you know, cause it terrifies him, right. You know, he's suffering from PTSD and now he's suddenly in a position where yeah, it literally terrifies him. Yeah. It's exactly has, correct. He has to be in a position uh, of authority that he doesn't yep. want to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and so now we, we see meatball yeah. patiently waiting for Greg. <laughs> um, and now we kind of get the re- redemption story. Yeah, because Jim has suddenly decided to fly the mission, which I, yeah, 
it's fine. I'm not gonna. Yep. I don't need to see his reasoning. No. Um, no. You know. You know. He's, he goes around and says, you know, we get on the flight line, we, we take off in 10 minutes. And of course, it would never work like that. They no. would get a they would get a briefing. Yeah. Um, even if it was a very brief briefing, they would still get a, a yeah. thing where they were set, they sat down in the in the in, in a room and show, yeah. shown a map. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, again, it's for TV. So I, I don't yeah. that's fine. I don't need that level. And of course, of course, there's time limits too, right? We always have to, have to keep that in mind too, though. Like, right. like, like like they have to keep it in like well, 45 50 minutes yeah, that's so, right like they can't show that they can't just show because that. they don't have time right that's right um but as you said he goes all norman schwarzkopf meets uh audie murphy meets buzz burling yeah which i think, I is, was, yeah. Which I think is accurate yeah it's a little bit of all three of those and um those are three interesting people to begin with so yeah i think yeah yeah i think that's a pretty i i, I was happy with how i what i how i worded that yeah and and as i said this is the first redemption mm-hmm Right. This is Gutterman's redemption. Yep. Um, and so now we're 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 back to Saint Jacques. Yes. Um off the coast of Labrador, as you point out. <laughs> um, and Greg has said if you used to blow some stuff up. Luckily, luckily we've been told that there's ammunition an ammunition depot, which which, which would, would make have, sense. They would have to be. They, they would have They're to soldiers. Be. They need ammo. Um, yeah. Yep. And so he blows that stuff up. Yep. Um, and then he rescues Hooper, of course, because Greg's the hero and we can't. <laughs> Leave just you can't just leave him there exactly yeah um so he needs to rescue hooper yeah. because as i said you know this this is you know we, like we can't just leave hooper there the redemption story wouldn't work if, Ho- it, if hooper no. becomes a pow or, or is killed <laughs> just feel like uh, yeah it would be pretty awful actually yeah exactly it would be um so they get in the plane and yep. uh they take off Yep, I think it's a Nakajima B5N Kate that they're in, or it's yep. supposed to look like one anyway. Also, yep. it doesn't have the drop tank anymore. No. Um, and apparently, <laughs> it's easy to fix. It's like Jim Rockford's car. Um, yeah, it gets blown the... up. The car gets blown up, but then they can fix it. It's like, yeah. really? Yeah. Um, you know, so this apparently was fairly easy to fix. Now, again, I realize it's because for sake of time and stuff because like that. Because it's a TV but, show. You know, yeah. That, 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 you know, yeah, that, and it's entertainment, right? So, yeah. Um, and it's fine. I have no problem with that. And now we get, I think, to the reason why we have TJ shooting him down to <laughs> nice. set up this joke. I think you're right. Because really, aside from the moment when TJ comes in to ask for um, a transfer, yep. he's not really in the episode that much. No. Like the, like, like the main conflict is not between Gutterman and TJ. The other p- pilots are hardly seen at all, actually. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and so I think it was set up for this kind of joke. Yeah. Right. Um, because now we have, and we also get the title title of the of the episode. I don't know if you noticed that. Hmm. Where um, so the two fourteen oh, right. is flying flying a mission because Jim has got his his redemption, and now they're flying the mission. Yeah. And so now they see the Japanese plane that Pappy and Hooper are in. Yeah. And understandably in this in this case you understand why TJ does it. Right? Yeah. They don't know they think it's a Japanese plane because it yeah. is a Japanese plane. And TJ's all um, excited. I got him. I got him. Yeah. And then you what know, did he say? Look at that. Will you look at that monkey fly which makes yeah. me think it's probably racist. Yeah, yeah. That's it, probably it, what that it, was. Uh, again, the racist propaganda directed at the Japanese was and, terrible. And, and and you know, good on the show for actually doing that. I I yeah. Throwing that in there because yeah. it could have been they could have sanitized it even more and they yeah, didn't. Cause, good on. Yeah, because because it's it's kind of like we're not going to talk about it, 
But some of these guys were really racist towards they, they Japanese. Had, they had to have been, right? I mean, <laughs> right. It's just because it was 1943. Yeah. And they were fighting them. So yeah, I would so, I would imagine you know, there'd be a certain level of animus. Uh, so yeah. so so there's there's like a, a level of like recognition of this. Yeah. But you know, not make because today perhaps yeah in 2023 we we might have people being far more overtly racist. Um, I think I, I think you would. I think you know, yeah, and that's but yeah, not not in the late 70s. No, um, in not on TV. Television. No, yeah, not on TV. Um, so unless it was Archie yeah. Bunker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and again, we we I guess we kind of get a redemption story for TJ, and I, I, you know, that's why I, I hesitate because they get TJ to shoot the shoot it down. I know, right? Because they're saying to TJ, like, this is your chance to redeem yourself, yeah. right? You know, because this is our first time to shoot down a Japanese plane since Pappy went down because they haven't been flying any missions, mm-hmm. um, and so they give it to him, kind of show that. You know they forgive him that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I hesitate to call it a, a redemption story because he ends up shooting Pappy down again. <laughs> yeah, because it's still a blue on blue. Uh, yeah, like, he still shoots down. Pappy. Like that's the joke, right? Yeah. Like exactly. You know, it's like what again? You shot me down again? <laughs> it almost makes you think like the writers were like, "How could we end it?" So Pappy shoot. What? How could we make Pappy fly in a Japanese airplane? So TJ yeah. shoots him down. Yeah, exactly. And then you work know, backwards. Um, yeah. And then, of course, that's that's when we get the the title, um, the reference to the title, when because they they shoot him down, but of course they survive, of course, because you know Pappy yeah. has to come back for the next <laughs> yeah. episode. Um, you know, so Pappy and Hooper are on the wing of the plane, and and Pappy goes, "Hey, that's my squadron," and Hooper says, "It's a small war, isn't it?" Yeah. So there we go. We get to love the, it. We get the title. Um. And so now, and then, then he waves, and they figure out. TJ has done it again. He has shot down Pappy. Um, and now they're on a 1947 USAF, USAF flying boat. Yeah, uh, those or... markings are wrong. Um, yeah. That 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 shouldn't have the red stripes in the uh, in the insignia. So anyway, yeah. uh, and that also that plane is not from ni- from the world from World War Two. Uh, but yeah. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's not. At um, least it's not a. a... It's not a couple of Hawker hurricanes with, with RAF yeah, exactly. rondels on them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so now, now we have um, a little bit of a, a thing here with, 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 again, the kind of redemption story where Pappy and Hooper are in the, in the plane heading back and Hooper asks him to forget about the coward, coward thing. Yep. Um, and Pappy says, there's nothing wrong with being a coward. And he says that is because he says because guys who are afraid of being a coward have something to prove, hmm. and they're more dangerous, right? Which I thought was an interesting interesting thing. Where you yeah, know, they, it really is. You know they you know which I, I think is probably true, right? Like I, I it's thought better to be a coward go- than than try and you know put my put other people at risk to try and be a hero. I thought he was going to do the old you know if you're not scared you're crazy blah blah the thing you always hear we're all scared kid you know. Yeah. But I like what he said here because it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah and that makes some sense. Kind of along the lines of um, what Boeington himself talked about, right? Because yeah. what's the, the final line of his book? Um, Give me a hero, and I'll show you a liar. Is that is that the line? Something, yeah, I, something, uh, something I'll, like I'll that. prove to you he's a bum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, like like even Boeington in his own life. Yeah, as much as he was kind of 
promoting himself and celebrating himself never really pushed him into that kind of hero. He like never, he always, yes, he always rejected right. that kind of idea. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, uh, it's, and I think people should understand it. Pappy, but Greg, Greg Bowington, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Gregory Bowington had a congressional medal of honor. He was yes. an actual living, breathing hero. Yeah. Um, but he also said heroism's bullshit. So yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, so I think in terms of, of the sort of like spirit of Bowington, I thought that was this good. This is accurate. This it's is accurate. exactly. It's right. like something he would have said. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So I think. I think that again, we get kind of get a not necessarily a war realism, but a Bowington realism here. Yep. That's right. You know. Um, and so now there's a, a reporter waiting for Greg, um, who is not not only hungover, uh, but no. still drunk. I think he's still drunk because he's kind of nope. stumbling and yeah. quite drunk from yeah. books. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he says, "Can't a man die in peace?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah. I like the fact that the dog is there and when, when he gets there, he goes, Hey, meatball and meatball runs away as if to yeah. say, okay, you're safe. Now I'm pissed off at you for leaving. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, okay, you're okay. It's, it's like when somebody falls over, you go, are, are you okay? And they go, yes. And then you laugh at them. Yeah. Right. Now it's funny. Now hurt. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, you're okay. I don't have to be worried. I can be pissed off at you for getting shot down. Right. You know, awesome. <laughs> which I thought was a good little moment there. Love it. Dog. Right. Um, that was great. And then, of course, I guess we get, as I said, the, the kind of third redemption um, when yeah. Boynton says to TJ, you know, talking about him, him shooting him down, he says, TJ, someday you'll do an even better job on the enemy. <laughs> um, yep. You know, so I guess I guess that's the third redemption story. I get ish. Um, yeah, it's, it's much know, smaller. Yeah, and it's it's not, and the reason I, I hesitate to call it that is because it's not the main focus. No, Ho- Hooper and Gutterman are kind of the main the main focus of the episode. And TJ's yeah. not in it that much. Um, and so, as I say, it's all back to normal, like a sitcom. Everybody's happy because you need to you need to bring it back to you know, like it's like on The Simpsons. Homer's never going to leave Marge. You know, Homer's never going to leave no, Marge. No. Marge may kick him out, but by the end of the episode, he'll be back in. Everything will same, be fine. Same same old shit that Homer does. That's right. Exactly. Yay, and then roll the credits. Exactly. Because uh, everything needs to be reset for the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> because again, and again, I understand why, you know, today, maybe not. No, uh, Yes. Because it was very episodic back then because, you know, you can't guarantee that everybody would have seen every episode because they wouldn't have time to to stream it or, you know, no, download right. it, all that kind of stuff. So you couldn't you couldn't have these kind of you could have kind of general overarching storylines, right? Like, for example, in MASH with Honeycutt and his wife. Right. You know, that kind of overarching Honeycutt yep. versus his wife kind of thing. Um, right. But you couldn't. You couldn't have a, a, you know, a, unless you had like a two-part episode of something, you couldn't have a kind of storyline that continues just because people, if you missed, as we talked about with Rockford and this mm-hmm. one, we'll talk, probably talk about it again. If you missed an episode, you didn't get to see you, you missed the episode. You might catch it again in the summer in reruns. Exactly. That's exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's the end of the episode. Indeed it is. Oh, uh, Dave. Yes. Oh, Dave. Yes. Is there anything I missed? Uh, one thing. Uh, you should, one of the, I noticed this as TJ got out of his plane uh, after shooting down uh, Pappy again. Uh, <laughs> his plane had no guns. Yeah. <laughs> if you notice that the, 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 the 650 caliber machine guns weren't there, there were holes. Yeah. Um, you'll see that a lot actually. Cause of course these are 
owned by civilians. They're owned by yeah. collectors, those planes. And yeah. they didn't all, they didn't tend to be armed because. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. That's a whole second amendment thing, but still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was the only thing. Uh, it, it was funny because he walked by it. And again, because of the level of detail we have today, and because we watch these things on much bigger screens, you could see it's like, there's no guns in those holes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, man. Uh, that's the thing too that, that you might not have noticed that on a smaller TV. No, back in the seventies. No, you wouldn't have noticed it. You certainly right. wouldn't have noticed it. But yeah. you know, I can I can pause it and go and zoom in and go and you pinch and zoom in my iPad and go. Oh no, there's yeah. there's, there's there's no guns. Yeah, in no there. guns there. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I have a whole lot else to talk about about that. Yeah, that's good. Okay. That'll do it. All right. All right. So uh, yeah, so I guess um, there's not much else to say. Um, hmm. Is there anything you want to promote or uh, pimp for? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How about, uh, no, I got nothing. How about you? Okay. Well, <laughs> the um, regular things. I'm just going to say the, nothing. Yeah, the, the, the psycho uh, thing for the uh, masochistic movie collective is still out there. Oh, good. Yes. Um, Very nice. I, still um, I yeah, I've, I've, I've picked the ne next episode, which we'll be recording in probably a couple weeks. Okay. Um, we're doing a very important historical movie, and I mean that seriously. Yeah. We're doing a, a Attack of the Puppet People. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, so I'm pretty excited um, by that. Just because, and, and my my logic, aside from the fact that there is there's a historically act, there is a there's a historical reason for doing that, is the last couple of ones we've been doing good movies, <laughs> and it's like, man, somebody needs to lower the tone. Yeah, let's lower. Might the as bar. well be me. So you know. You know, we've been doing good movies, Local Hero, Psycho, like all these really good movies. Now yeah, let's yeah. do Attack of the Puppet People. This is great. Uh, retitled John Hoyt, six, who, six who, inches tall. Yeah. John Hoyt, who was in, um, the well, The Cage, yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, so there's a Star Trek connection. With very him. nice. Uh, he's been I've in never Paris heard of this movie. Well. Never yeah. heard of that movie. Um, and it's very, it's don't, don't spoil it. If, if you know why it's historically accurate, cause I think, it, I think it's mentioned on, on the Wikipedia, but uh, I'm trying to keep it as a kind of a secret. I just love, I love the fact that running twice is certainly important. 79 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's from 79 minutes. It's from the 1950s. I forget exact, the exact, the exact date. You, you, you probably can see the date better than me. Cause I haven't looked yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this. I didn't know the historical thing. I just read it. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, cool. I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm hoping to keep it a secret as long as possible. That's very. Good. I know, That's I good. know. In the the internet age, so if so, so somebody finds out, I'm not going to be too upset. But yeah. you know, I know it's it's well, easy. Keep it to, at least at least from your your, yeah. your 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 co-stars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Very nice. So that's what we're going to do next. Sounds good. Um, we'll probably be recording whatever the last Saturday is in November. I don't know what that date is. Um, but that's usually, that's usually, uh, that's usually when we record the last Saturday okay. of the month. All right. Good stuff, Steve. Uh, I guess the only thing left to say is, uh, you know, I'll see you again in the future. Your commentator is Lyle Vann. The most effective United States carrier-borne air armada ever sent into action prepares a surprise blow against the powerful Japanese naval base at Truk. Bombers, torpedo planes, and Hellcat fighters stand ready for the takeoff as their 2,000-horsepower engines warm up. The fleet is close to the enemy's secret stronghold now and still undetected. The first flight moves to the attack.
The exact number of carriers in this great fleet is a closely guarded naval secret, but an overwhelming force of planes roars into the sky, the finest planes and the greatest flyers in the world. There goes the spearhead of the attack. Defending Japs are stunned by the suddenness of the first blow delivered with crushing force on the heart of the great fortress in mid-Pacific. Like Hitler's Europe, Tojo just forgot to put a ceiling over troops, and jubilant Navy cameramen take pictures to prove it. Roaring in from the sea, Navy bombers blast Jap planes before they can leave the ground and destroy their runways. The main islands of the Truk Atoll suffer a pulverizing blow before the surprised Japs can organize any defense. Haram Island, headquarters of the Truk naval base, is given a terrific pounding. Hellcats, Avengers, and dauntless dive bombers sweep over in close formation. Wheeling around over the main island, pilots continue the work of destruction by bombing every important part of the great base, a base the Japs have been building up for over 20 years into a fortress considered impregnable. Ground installations, oil and ammunition dumps, flying fields, all are hit again and again. Wherever reconnaissance has shown anything of value to the enemy, Navy bombers place their explosives where they'll do the most good. Every fortified island in the Truk Atoll is given a thorough blasting by a sky armada of overwhelming force that hits the Japs like a bolt from the blue. A few Jap planes escape from small dispersal fields and make a hopeless stab at ships of our task force. Expecting attack, men and ships are ready. A low-flying Jap torpedo plane meets a curtain of steel from cruisers and destroyers as it attempts to close in. A Jap dive bomber tries to break through the barrage. Sky is spotted with bursting shells from massed anti-aircraft guns as they knock down the attacking plane. A direct hit and a flaming end for another Nipponese airman. Somber palls of smoke rise from the sea to mark the doom of Jap planes shot from the sky. Slight damage is suffered by just one American ship in the Japs' suicidal defense. The task force beats off every threat from the skies and boldly continues to steam close to the shore to await the return of its attacking airmen. Over the Truk Lagoon, trigger-happy Navy airmen have a field day. Few Jap planes are left to annoy them as torpedo planes, bombers, and fighters come in for the kill. There's a large destroyer, a perfect target. The Navy Hellcat meets a Jap Zero. This exciting story is repeated over and over. 
the Jap is outclassed, torn asunder. Out of the sky they roar with wing cannon blazing, tearing into ships of every description, ships that the hard-pressed Japs can ill afford to lose. Nineteen ships in all are positively sunk, with additional ships probably sent to the bottom. Desperate Japs even take a slow reconnaissance plane into combat. It tries to hide in a cloud. A Zero tangles with another Hellcat. And this is how 200 Jap planes are destroyed, with only 17 planes lost by the Yanks. Slow-moving freighters in the harbor of Truk are helpless. Faster vessels pour on the coal in futile efforts to escape. Here's a Jap destroyer turning sharp at full speed to avoid a bomb. Up in the clouds, another Jap pilot seeks the glory of giving his life for the Emperor. So the Navy accommodates him. drives on another vessel trying to get away. Ship after ship is pounded by explosive shells poured into them in fiery streams of destruction. The big Jap destroyer speeds across the lagoon trying to reach the open sea. A transport gets a direct hit. The snake trail below is another destroyer. Right in a cone of fire from another heavily armed plane, a doomed Jap vessel takes it. The last Jap plane to stay in the air over Truk is looking for trouble. Our intrepid airmen continue the element of surprise and advantage. They deliver the fatal knockout as the two-day assault on Truk nears an end. There's that zero again, soon to be represented by another Jap flag painted on the fuselage of a Navy Hellcat. The historic raid on the Jap Pearl Harbor writes finish to Truk as a mid-Pacific enemy base, a crushing defeat so successful that high-ranking Jap officers are ousted by the Nippon High Command. Truk Lagoon, cluttered with bombed and battered hawks, is in itself full proof that never again can the Jap Navy ride at anchor here in safety. The order is heard, return to carriers. Just average American boys, taught to fly, taught to fight, taught to win. One wheel missing, but it's a perfect landing.
The wounded are hurriedly taken to the sick bay below, where they receive instant attention. Heroes who will live to fight again. Other planes come through showing the scars of enemy shell fire. This great victory is substantial payment on account for the Japs' sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. The nation thrills to the news that the Yanks smash troops. mouse pointer there it is okay <laughs> i should i should leave that part in where's my fucking mouse pointer um hello hello peggy pizza house 